for taking us down that road to Calvary. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that road of suffering that our Lord Jesus Christ walked in our place, carrying the burden of the cross and the burden of our sin. Father, as we open up your word, I pray that we might understand how important it is to hold on to the truth that you have given us, the truth about your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we be able to discern, Lord, the voices that are false and deceptive in this age. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me now, let's turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 2. We're continuing our series, 1 John, chapter 2. We're going to pick it up at verse 18. Verse 18. As you're turning there, um, <clears throat> how many love getting those uh, auto warranty calls? Aren't they great? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's fun just to pick them up, and when they start talking, you, you know... You just lead them on, and then, then you call them out, or you know. And these, it's amazing that the scams uh, that are put out there, and they continue on and on, and they change their number, and they still try and come at you, and they pretend that that they give you an auto warranty that you you paid for. There are other kinds of scams as as well. IRS and all other kinds of things. And you just get fed up. And, and sadly, uh, some have been taken by these scams. I don't know how many have uh, of you uh, went down that road one time and, and thought they were, you know, they were genuine. I remember the one, the first time I ever got a call from the IRS on my phone and then uh they told me uh you owe so and so much money and uh if you don't pay it right now uh a sheriff will be at your door i don't know if anybody you had those before but yeah so i didn't know it was fake at that time so i'm kind of starting to get a little whoa you know what's this about and then as they went on uh, finally, I just, you know, they, they made themselves known by some of the things they were saying. And uh, you could tell that they, they, were, they were lying. Satan is trying to do that and has been doing that to the church and the believers since the church began. Since Jesus Christ left this earth and ascended. And John here, the Apostle John, wants to warn us. Warn the church about those who are, you might call them scammers. Those who are, have brought false teaching into the church, or they started out well, but then they came up with this, these new kind of heresies. And, uh, and, and John wanted to warn the, the, the church uh, about these false teachers that were were uh, coming out, actually, of the churches themselves. But let's read together verses 18 to 20. 1 John 2, beginning of verse 18. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard 
that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have risen. From this, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it, may, that it might be shown that they are not all of us. Verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Here, John starts out in verse 18. He's heading down a different road that he's been on. And now he's going to basically warn the believer. Notice he opens up, verse, begins verse 18 with the title he uses for the believer, children. He's done this before. We've seen him use children before. But he's looking at the uh, the church as, uh, and the, the believers as basically the children of God. And so he calls them children, and he is like a spiritual father, like the Apostle Paul considered himself to be. And so he was, he was looking at them uh, as, as children of God, but uh, trying to protect. What does a father do when, uh, you know, when he, they're trying to instruct their son or daughter about, about evil and about liars or about strangers and those who, who, who would, uh, you know, pretend to be something they're not. That's what a loving father does. And so John is doing this as a spiritual father to them. And so he, he begins with the title children. And then he says, children, it is the last hour. That last hour, that phrase, the last hour, this is the only place in the New Testament that that phrase is used. John is the only one that uses the last hour. So what does he mean by the last hour? Does it mean, uh, you know, the last, uh, you know, 60 seconds? No, of course not. He is, he's speaking figuratively of the time that uh, is between the ascension of Jesus Christ and his return. And what do we call that? We call it the age of grace, the church age. So John is, is speaking of the last hour. Uh, other places in scripture, of course, uh, use different terms for this. Jesus concluded his teachings on the uh, end times in Mark thirteen thirty three when he said, Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. Another phrase used instead of the last hour is uh, the end times or the last times. Peter spoke of this as well in 1 Peter 1-2. Peter wrote, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for our sake. So last times, last hour, it basically is meaning the same thing. And so John is saying, uh, and, and again, trying to understand that uh, with God, a day is like a thousand years. 
And a thousand years is like a day. And so when God uh, brought his son back to heaven after raising him from the dead, it is then that people began waiting for the return of Christ, for Jesus was coming back one day. And no man knows the day nor the hour, right? So John in his day was expecting Jesus to return. He could, could return at any moment. And so it was the last hour for them. But today, God has waited 2,000 years, and yet here we are, and we still call it the last, the last hour, the last day. But we don't know when Jesus is going to make his appearance. But then John now goes on, and he says concerning this last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming. Now, when he uses the, the phrase there, Antichrist, you heard that Antichrist is coming. That's singular. He's talking about that one individual that uh, is going to come, that is going to rule the world. And uh, the, the, the scriptures also define him by different titles in Daniel, right? He's called the willful king. He's also called in Revelation. Anybody know what the Antichrist is called in the Revelation? What do they call him? John called him the beast. The beast. There is the beast. The, he's called the willful king. He's called the little horn in Daniel. There are different titles for the, but we know it, you know, the word that everybody uses is the Antichrist, talking about that individual that will, uh, you know, come on the scene during the tribulation period, at the beginning of the tribulation period. And then he will, he will turn uh, against God. And so he's, immediately he, he speaks of him first. He says, the, you heard that the Antichrist is coming. You know he's coming. They know the Old Testament prophecies and, the, and what Paul's writing concerning that one that is to come in the last days. But then he writes, even now, many antichrists have arisen, plural. So now he's talking about multiple antichrists. What is he doing here? By the way, this is the only place in Scripture right here where you will find the term Antichrist. You know, we think that, oh, it's probably everywhere. It's in the Revelation, it's, it's other places, but John is the only one that ever used the term Antichrist. And so we latch on to that, but, but this is the term he uses. Now he speaks plural. So he's basically saying, I'm not talking about the Antichrist that is to come, you know, but right now he's saying in this last hour, in these last days, there, is, uh, there are teachers out there, false teachers, that I call antichrist. He uses the term antichrist. Now, that, that phrase there, anti, antichrist, can mean either instead of, instead of Christ, or in opposition to Christ, okay? So understand that Antichrist, what that means. It doesn't, mean that, it doesn't just mean that, that a person stands there and says, I am the Christ, 
I am the Messiah, which people have done through the centuries and will continue to do. I'm the Messiah. I'm the, the one that, that people have been waiting for. But it also refers here to um, those who are opposed to Christ or come and, and pretend that, that they are, they're basically pretending that they are a follower of Jesus Christ. And they talk the talk, they walk the walk, uh, for the most part, but yet they are deceivers. And John is calling them out saying, beware, even now there are many antichrists that have risen in the church. Now, these antichrist false teachers, these false teachers, they didn't, they didn't show up to the church or in the church and, you know, um, acted evil or, you know, came with a pitchfork, you know, and, 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 and dressed up like Satan or just tried to, you know, um, play the part of, of evil. No, remember, Satan is a what? An angel of light, an angel of light. And so he is, his, his followers, Satan's followers, those who have, have gone to a church been part of the church just like the first century church they have there they they infiltrated and and they basically mixed up with other believers and nobody could could really tell that they were any different until until they came up with a new idea you ever hear somebody says yeah but you know you say the bible says this and then they'll say to you, yeah, but did you know? Did you know or, you know, there, there, there's something else to understand, something new. And suddenly they bring a new doctrine, a new heresy, and they begin preaching it and teaching it, trying to draw other people away to follow. False teachers are in the churches today. There are those that, that are holding on, that they claim to be Christians, but they're holding on to, to heresy about Jesus Christ. And, or that, yeah, Jesus was a, a wonderful teacher, but he wasn't divine. He wasn't truly, truly God. I want you to see, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13 with me. Let's go to Deuteronomy 13. You know, as John is talking about Antichrist and false teachers in the church, I want you to see how God viewed false prophets in the Old Testament and how he warned the children of Israel about them. So Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. And look what God says about false prophets. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder... And the sign or wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. Notice they now are trying to draw the Jew away into idolatry. You shall not listen to them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. 
For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him. You shall keep his commandments. There it is, the word of God. And that's what John is concerned about us, holding on to the word of God. That is our ultimate source of absolute truth. Listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. But that prophet, verse 5, or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you, should pur- you shall purge the evil from among you. Now look at, look at how close it gets. In, even in the family. Verse 6. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods, whom neither you nor your fathers have known, of the gods of the people who are around you, near you, or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other. So this is family. And false teaching has gotten into our families. You know, you have a, maybe someone who's gone away to college and they've gone to a secular university. They come back and uh, you'd be amazed at how many young people who end up in a secular college uh, end, end up uh, walking away from their faith or following following false teaching or, or uh, because they're, they're filled with that by the professors in there. And some of those professors claim to be Christians. But here he's talking about even in the family. What are they to do then? Look at verse 8. You shall not yield to him or listen to him, and your eyes shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him. In other words, Tell, the, tell Israel about it. Tell the leaders of Israel about this person in your family. This is a family member whom you cherish and love, but they've suddenly, they, they, uh, their hearts uh, are dark. They, they are, they're, lead, they're seeking to lead you astray as a Jew and, and worship other gods. Look, what, uh, look at the punishment God lays down. Verse 9. But you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death. And afterwards the hand of all the people. So that you shall stone him to death because he has sought to seduce you from the Lord your God. Who brought you out from the land of Egypt out of the slavery. Wow. Does God take false teaching seriously? Yes, he sure does. Look, look how far God goes in judgment of it. In verse 11, then all Israel will hear and what? Be afraid because of putting to death the one who brought the heresy and the idolatry in. For all Israel will hear and be afraid and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. So now turn back with me to 1 John again. We see that 
how, what God thinks about false teachers and false prophets. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, verse 30, Paul warned the Ephesian elders of the church there. He said this, from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul warns the elders, from among your own selves, these deceivers are going to come. And look what John says here. Again, look at now at verse 19. They went out from you, from us, okay? So they were part of the church. They are part of, some of them were ministers with John, you know, and following along and, <coughs> excuse me. But they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they are all, that they all are not of us. That they all are not of us. What is John saying here? John is basically saying, first of all, Satan works with his uh, with false teachers in the church. He he works in the realm of religion. Satan will work in the realm of religion and. How many cults there are today that started in, in, with a Christian influence or Christian background? You, you, you'd absolutely be amazed at, at this. The, uh, there's, there's an article that that spoke of this, um, the, the beginnings of these cults that we have in our Western culture. Listen to this. A close examination of popular Western cults reveals that many began in an evangelical church or under leaders who claimed Christianity. Men and women from solid church backgrounds. Anybody here of Sung Young Moon? Remember that name? Founder of the Unification Church. He was reared in a Presbyterian home. Of course, you know of Jim Jones. Uh, that's how, how, you know, when, when people... I've, I've, I've had people say, when I told them I'm pastor of Jonestown Bible Church, that they look at me funny. And they go, oh, really? You guys are... With, the drinking that punch stuff and and I, I said no 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 we just have the name of the town but that's something someone totally different but he's Jim Jones was the founder you know of, of the people's temple and at one time earlier in his life he was attending a Nazarene church and later he pastored an interdenominational uh, interdenominational church and a disciples of Christ congregation Moses David, founder of, and you may not have heard of this cult, but called the Children of God. He was the son of evangelical parents. He served as a minister in a Christian missionary alliance church and was involved for a time 
for a time in Christian television ministry. All started in evangelical circles or with some kind of Christian background. Victor Paul Weilerwill, founder of The Way, came out of the Reformed Church where he served as a pastor for a number of congregations. And it goes on and on. Maker Bear, uh, Maker Mary Baker Eddy, founder of the Jehovah's Witness, were raised in, she was raised in a, uh, a Christian home. Did you know that? The beginning of Jehovah's Witness. Taze Russell also was, was one who was involved and founded the Jehovah's Witness. He too raised in a Christian home. You see, they're going to come from within. And John here is concerned that we understand as believers that, that there are going to be false people, teachers that are going to come out. They're going to grab onto some false teaching even here in our own church. And what will they do? John says that they're, going to, they're, they're just going to filter out. Sooner or later, they're going to leave the church. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone who leaves the church and goes to another church is a false teacher or they're falsing, following. No, there are many reasons why people change churches. Some because they don't like the pastor. And some because they don't like the style of worship or other things. So it's not talking about that. But he's talking about those, quote, believers who decide they don't like the doctrine that is being taught out of the word of God, that they came up with some new ideas, some new, new doctrines, and so they go out of the church and they begin their own thing. They start their own church or religion, and they try and get people to follow them. And what they teach is not based on the word of God. It's not coming out of the word of God, but it's, it's, with, it's new ideas, it's new age stuff that they brought in and, and, and they, they try and lead the believer astray. We've got to be careful when we, under, uh, when we um, hear people who have the Christian lingo, whether it be friends or preachers on TV, and we, we've got to compare what they say to the word of God. John here himself, uh, he's dealing with uh, a group called the Gnostics in the first century, and we, we even have them today. But the Gnostics appeared there in the first century and they basically represented many mysterious religions from, that came out of the East. By the end of the first century, Gnosticism had infected not only the New Testament church, but also Judaism. Gnosticism adopted many Christian and Jewish elements and had become a major threat to Christianity. And that's what John is dealing with here. This Gnosticism snuck into the church. Gnosticism held that spirit is good, matter is evil. So in other words, your spirit inside you is good, but your body is evil, period. Salvation consists in deliverance of the spirit from matter. That's what they taught. And salvation is achieved by means of a secret or higher knowledge. 
Uh, have you ever had anybody tell you, well, I just don't feel the spirit here. I don't, don't feel, you know, they're, they're not teaching enough knowledge. And, and so they, they go out and they're drawn away with some new teaching, some new knowledge that is presented to them. And, 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 and it's so easy to be led astray if we are not grounded in the word of God. The Gnostics taught that the supreme God was transcendent and unapproachable. But from him, a series of progressive inferior manifestations came called uh, acons, okay, and Christ was one of those. So we could go on and on, but this is what John is dealing with uh, and trying to to warn the believers about. Now, notice he says there in verse nineteen, he says they they went out from you, but they they are not really of us. If they were of us, if they were true believers, they never would have left the ministry that we're in, or they never would have left the church that is grounded on the word of God. They would have stayed, he says. And then verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know. <clears throat> In other words, he's saying, you know the truth. Verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie is of the truth. So he's basically talking to these uh, to the believers here, and he's saying, "But I want you to understand something. You have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, and you you know the truth. That's how you know the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What was happening was that that word anointing was being used by some of the false teachers." And they were basically going around saying, well, you've got to have a special anointing. If you have certain knowledge and you, you've arrived here, you have the anointing of God. But over here, no, you haven't got the anointing of God, no. And, and they began to pick and choose who were anointed and who weren't. John is saying, guess what? All of you have an anointing from who? The Holy Spirit. And another word... Uh, or definition for the anointing of the Holy Spirit we find in the scriptures is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've heard that before, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now today, some people think that that is something that happens after you're saved. No, baptism of the Holy Spirit happens to you and me the moment I trust Christ as Savior. The moment I receive him and receive his forgiveness, I am baptized spiritually by the Holy Spirit into the family of God. Jesus said before he ascended, Acts 1.8, For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's what Jesus said. Speaking, that's the same as the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's a one-time thing, happens when you're saved, when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and life and dwells within permanently, he's there forever. And then Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For in one spirit we were all what? Baptized into one body, the body of Christ. So that's what he means here, talking about the, the anointing. 
But these false teachers were going around and basically they began to teach and, and they're doing it today that, well, hey, basically, yeah, you can believe in Jesus and that'll get to you heaven. But you can also believe in Buddha. Uh, you can believe in Muhammad. Uh, you can believe in Allah, all these others. And all roads lead to heaven. Basically, how many of you heard, uh, well, we all worship the same God, right? You'll hear that. That's the beginning of heresy. That's heresy right there. I heard this quote. You can sincerely drink poison, believing that it is medicine, but it will kill you just the same. Truth matters. Let me say that again. You can sincerely drink poison, believing that it's medicine, but it will kill you just the same. And that's what uh, false teaching and anything outside the, the scriptures is that, that is not, doesn't line up with the word of God. It's like taking poison and it will destroy and kill spiritually. So here the... The Apostle John then goes on, look at verse 22. He says, Who is the liar but one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. So here again, he is talking about, he is talking about those false teachers he calls the Antichrist. And what is the number one connecting factor among them? It is that somehow, in some way, they deny who Jesus is in some fashion. Some part of his deity, some part of who he is. Uh, the Gnostics believe that Jesus, uh, basically, he started out in, a, in, in the human form, but then uh, he became a spirit, and actually he was a spirit in, in a and they, they tried to lead people astray to believe that Jesus wasn't truly man and truly God. But John is saying, watch out for the liars who are even in the church who will tell you something different about Jesus, who Jesus really is in Scripture. Who is this Jesus? That is, that is the bottom line. And we've got to be so careful. The Mormon church has chosen, I don't know if you knew this or not, has chosen the city of Dallas as one of its principal targets from which to gain converts and in which to build a temple. And what is Dallas there is it's the buckle of the Bible belt, they call it. And uh, the Mormons have moved in there with a massive thrust trying to sway uh, those who are in the, the churches down there. And here's a shock. The Southern Baptist denomination is the greatest source of converts to the Mormon religion. Southern Baptists. But what's happening, they're leaving the churches and they're following uh, the teachings of, of Joseph Smith, the Mormons. And, and they're, what are they doing? They're looking at Satan comes as that angel of light, and he comes in a religion all wrapped up like a Christian, a smiling Christian. And what they do is 
They look like Christians. They talk about the Bible like they're Christians. They, they live basically a life that's very holy-looking and, and separated unto God, and, and they, they, their worship services are so reverent and everything else that it's just so enticing. And suddenly people go in thinking, oh, they must be Christians, because they will, Mormons call themselves Christians. But you get into the church, and then you find out the real teachings, and then you realize you're trapped. This is not uh, this is not a true church that was founded on the word of God. How careful we have to be. We have to be careful not to compromise. During World War II, Neville Chamberlain of Britain tried to keep peace by appeasing Hitler. And so to do this, he gave Poland to Hitler. And this comes into play as we think of what's going on now in the Ukraine and Poland and Russia. So after giving Poland to Hitler, Chamberlain went back to England proclaiming peace in our times. But Winston Churchill proclaimed wisely, an appeaser is one who feeds a crocodile hoping it will eat him last. <laughs> and sure enough, Hitler tried to eat Great Britain. Dear Christian, be careful. Stand firm in the word of God. Filter everything through this divine book that is without error. And you will stand firm and not be swayed by Satan or his false prophets. And the Lord will keep you fast. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, Dear friend, this morning, perhaps you've, you've been reading books, listening to other teachers, and something just doesn't sit well with your spirit in what you hear, what you read. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, saying, beware, beware, watch out. We're this is not true. Go back to the scriptures, dear Christian. If you're struggling with this, go back to the word of God and say, what does God say? What does the word of God say? And the Lord will hold you fast. But tell the Lord now, Lord, help me to just stand upon your word and your word only. And Father, keep me from deception. The enemy's deception. If you're here without Christ this morning, never trusted Jesus to save you, I invite you to trust him by faith right now. If you've never given your heart to Christ, you can do it even right now. You can pray a simple prayer like this with me. You can pray it now, quietly in your heart. If you're ready to make that decision to accept Christ into your life to save you and cleanse you from your sin. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. You took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead.
Lord Jesus. And with heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you're now a child of God. You've been anointed by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Spirit. He, the Spirit of Christ indwells you now. Your sins are forgiven. Welcome to the family of God. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you for so great a salvation. And Father, I pray that we might walk in such a way, Lord, that we will not be swayed by the winds of doctrine that are false because we are standing firm in your word. Strengthen us through this truth today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.